Hi everyone, if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. This month, our church is transitioning to a mode of church that we're calling House Church, where we'll be meeting in homes, in community groups on Sundays to worship Jesus and to continue to meet in community groups midweek. I thought as a way to transition into this mode called House Church, I thought it would be healthy for us to spend some time to reflect and review all that God has been doing in our hearts during this time of COVID. Uh, I thought this was a, a good thing to do so we don't mindlessly just enter this next stage, but actually take the opportunity to thank God for all the things that He's been doing in our hearts, as well as take the time to intentionally seek God for things that He might be revealing as areas for growth in our Christian walk. So this morning, I'm going to give a short devotional talk on today's passage, and I'll explain to uh, us at the end of the talk on how we can spend this week reflecting on God and our lives this week. In our series on Acts of the Holy Spirit, as we've been tracing the work of the Holy Spirit through the apostles, disciples, as they become witnesses to, in Jerusalem, to Samaria and Judea, and to the ends of the earth, We've reached the halfway point of the book of Acts, and we've seen that the Holy Spirit empowers for gospel witness. We've seen the Holy Spirit guides and directs gospel mission. And today in Acts chapter 15, we see the Holy Spirit defends and upholds gospel truth. As Acts chapter 15 records the very first council in church history. Over church history, there's been a number of different councils that covers different issues of false doctrine, and the church leaders meant to protect the Christian faith from heresies. The Council of Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15 was the very first council that covered all matters that were central to the truth of the gospel. Acts 15 teaches us the importance of true doctrine and sound teaching. Acts 15 is actually right in the middle of the book of Acts. This chapter is placed at the center of the book for a reason. Its placement is very significant. Acts 15 teaches us the importance of doctrine and sound teaching. And we need to see that the importance of the Holy Spirit's role to not only empower us for gospel witness, not only guide us for gospel mission, but also the Holy Spirit's role in defending and upholding the truth of the gospel, defending and upholding God's word. Because a tainted gospel is no gospel at all. Uh, A tainted gospel makes ministry and mission void of the gospel, void of the power and the salvation of Jesus. So Acts chapter 15 is a significant moment. At a point in time where the gospel is starting to break into the Gentile nations through Paul and Barnabas, preaching through the Gentile nations. At this moment in time, false teachers sought to propagate a teaching that would be deadly to the gospel, deadly to the forward progress of the gospel to save Gentiles. These false teachers were known as Judaizers, Jews who converted to Christianity but taught obedience to the Jewish Old Testament laws as necessary for salvation. They said, unless you are circumcised according to the customs of Moses, you cannot be saved. The Judaizers attempted to add the gospel and created this formula of gospel plus works of the law in order to earn salvation. What they were saying was that faith in Jesus and grace alone and forgiveness of his sin wasn't enough. You also had to do good works of morality to gain your salvation. 
the church in Antioch decided that this matter needed discussing with the church leaders in Jerusalem. And so they sent Paul and Barnabas and others to seek the counsel of the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. At the council in Jerusalem, they debated the issue extensively until the apostle Peter addresses the council with a powerful message which established sound theological answers to refute the Judaeans and demonstrate the beauty and the power of the gospel to tear down the dividing wars between the Jews and Gentiles. He reminds the Judaizers how powerless and inferior ceremonial purity like circumcision is compared to the cleansing of the heart by the blood and sacrifice of Jesus. External observances of purity doesn't reveal the true motive of a person's heart, whereas the cleansing of the heart changes a person's from the inside out. It gets to the true source of the problem. The Jewish law cannot make a person clean, but only the blood of Christ can atone for sin. So if salvation by faith is Jesus' atonement for our sins, then Jews and Gentiles alike can receive salvation. There's no longer any distinction between Jews and Gentiles. Both Jews and Gentiles can be God's people through faith in Jesus. And after Peter finishes his speech, Paul and Barnabas testify to how the Gentiles have come to receive Jesus and his salvation. And after hearing the testimony, James, who is the brother of Jesus and the author of the book of James, stands and addresses the council. He calls out the final judgment on this doctrinal matter. But he does so in a surprising way. He grounds the doctrine of salvation by faith alone, not on Peter's speech or the testimony of Paul and Barnabas, but on the Old Testament. He quotes the prophet Amos to record the very word of God who prophesied the rebuilding of God's people with a multitude of people from all nations. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of that prophetic promise. What James was doing was that he declared before the council a theology, a doctrine built upon the scriptures, revealed by God and founded in Christ. The way that the Holy Spirit worked was to defend and uphold gospel truth, was to take people back to the Bible. And so I have two reflections on this passage. First, our modern attitude towards truth. You may observe that in our culture, a real aversion with asserting or defending truth. And I think it's because we have this greater aversion for conflict. And I think what has contributed to this aversion to conflict when it comes to speaking truth claims is that we've lost the ability to debate in a civil way. We're really gun-shy when it comes to speaking and asserting truth because any form of debate or argument just escalates very quickly now. And so what's interesting is that we have this interesting idea about truth. The idea that truth hurts is what we often say. We don't like to have truthful conversations because it's uncomfortable, it's confronting, and it's inflicting. And so we shy away from truthful conversations because we want to be nice. And we even say words like we want to be caring. And of course, the truth frequently hurts. Getting honest feedback is never a nice experience. Being convicted from the Bible about your sin is never a comfortable experience. But that is not the whole story about truth. Because truth also helps. Truth also heals. The truth bring, brings peace as well. And more importantly, Acts chapter 15 says, truth saves. You see, while truth can hurt, it never hurts like a lie. While truth can hurt, it never hurts like a lie. That is a really important truth 
that we need to be reminded of ourselves on how we are to be truly caring for and discipling one another. Because we're not only caring for a person if we're not speaking Bible truths into a person's thinking, a person's feelings, and a person's situation. What will help us with our aversion from having truthful gospel conversation is to remember that while truth can hurt, it never hurts like a lie. The second reflection from this passage is that Jesus is really enough. The reason why we get tempted to add to Jesus and pull us back to chasing all kinds of Jesus plus a bit of that and a bit of this, the faith of others and other helpful stuff, is because we're not convinced that Jesus is really enough. When we first moved into the church mats, I wasn't really happy with the lights in one of the bedrooms. The room felt dim and dingy, and I like doing a bit of house renovations as a bit of a hobby. And I started to think, how could I start changing the lights? How could I replace the fittings, add some pendant lights over there? So I had this whole plan in my head. Then as I walked out the room, I realized that the lights were on a dimmer switch. And the dimmer was only halfway on. So I just actually turned up the dimmer and the lights were actually fine. We didn't need to change anything. Many, for many of us, we do the exact same thing with Jesus. The lights in our souls seem kind of dim. We're not experiencing renewal or a great passion for God. We're not experiencing any significant growth or change. And so what we do is we ask ourselves, well, what else do I need besides Jesus in my heart and soul to light things up? What if I add this or that? What if I listen to this or that? What if I take on this commentator and that commentator? Or this trend and that trend? And so we go looking beyond Jesus looking beyond the gospel to figure out how we can get more light in here. Friends, Acts 15 and the entire New Testament is proclaiming that Jesus is enough. We don't need to add more stuff. We don't need to uh, add and replace things that is already beyond the gospel. We just need to turn up the dimmer. We need to allow more of the beauty, glory, love, and grace of Jesus in the scriptures to flow into our lives we need more of Jesus' truth and love to awaken and illuminate us. It's not Jesus and, it's more of Jesus. It's more clarity, it's more vision, it's more apprehension, it's more understanding of who Jesus is and what he has done. And that is the thing that will fill up and lighten up our souls. A way we can do this this week is by spending time on reflection this week. This week I would like everyone at Chapel Hill to answer the following reflection questions. We're going to have them up on the screen. What are evidences of God's grace and work that you are thankful for? What changes to your routine and habits that you would like to keep up? Has God revealed to you areas for further emotional and spiritual growth? And what are some specific steps you can take with members of your community group to pursue growth and change in those areas? Reflect on the past six months during COVID, these four questions. You will receive an email with these questions, which will also have Word and a PDF version if you'd like to type out your answers. You will have this this week to reflect on those questions. And next Sunday, you have the opportunity to share your reflections with others in your community group, to thank God for all the wonderful things He is doing during this COVID season, and to seek His help for things that He's encouraging and challenging you to grow in. As we go through this time of reflection, 
I do believe we will see Jesus more and more in our lives in very real and tangible ways. And as we see more and more Jesus, our souls will be awakened, illuminated by the enormity and sufficiency of Jesus' amazing grace. Please join me in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that by his blood, he has completely atoned for our sins, that his sacrifice alone has brought us back into relationship with you. Father, we pray as we enter this week with a time of reflection to personally reflect on all that you have been doing in the past six months during this COVID season. Father, may we see evidences of your grace. May we see the works of the Holy Spirit and may we see more of Jesus in each of our lives so that we would be more and more thankful and that our hearts would be gladly feeling sufficiency in the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.